Did you ever see that movie PCU? PCU, uh, no. It's a 1990s comedy starring Jeremy Piven. It's like a campus movie. I, I always had a weird thing for like campus films, like Animal House and stuff like that. I find it as like an interesting, weird genre. Um, and this one is about uh, a, a college campus that's based off of actually Wesleyan University in Connecticut. Is a liberal arts school that has factionalized around various social justice causes. And Jeremy Piven leads a band of, uh, of rebels called the pit. They live in an old frat house. Um, and they just want to party, man. And everyone else is like, save the whales. Meat is murder. They like, like they, like they are, someone's having a vegan protest and they throw, um, uh, ground beef on the on the vegans and uh super edgy stuff like that that sounds aggressively 90s just like the it's having the, politics it's, is cringe sort of thing it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah actually that's and it, it's it's funny because everyone is awful in the movie well you know not necessarily george clinton and the p-funk all-stars are in it um they cover prince uh that's really good um no it is it's it is super 90s there's a lot of ultimate frisbee and <laughs> like well there's ultimate frisbee when i was in college too that was still a thing frisbee never dies uh is my no. understanding of it fnd frisbee never dies uh frolf oh that's what that's one of the more <laughs> disgusting portmanteaus frolf frisbee golf oh oh we don't our podcast does not endorse frisbee golf. Bleep that. Bleep, Bleep that. that. Censor that. Cut that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, there is definitely a through line I think you see in 90s and a bit in the 2000s in that kind of like that caliber of comedy that's aimed at that demographic where I think they're really starting to be aware of politics as a thing and think it's annoying. Um, I feel like, I mean, that went on for a while. I mean, like the, in early community, the whole premise of Britta, right. Was that she was like an annoying activist type. And that's, was just kind of her whole deal for a while. Yeah. She was the straw activist, which is, uh, usually it's a, it's a super common trope that dumps a whole bunch of it weaves a weaves a, a web so to speak of politics that like actually it's re it's basically yeah that's what pcu is about it's all the same like animal rights meets environmentalism meets mm -hmm. like anti wto that was a big thing meets this sort of like yeah it's a it's a um it's a thing yeah, it's I mean, it's it's so widespread it's crazy. I mean, I can think of I can think of utilizing just like the concept of somebody being a political activist as, you know, a joke and an indication that they're like annoying. I can think of that, you know, in The Simpsons, Futurama. I can think of it in like every sitcom from the 90s and 2000s that I've ever seen probably. Like it it was so ubiquitous at least in comedy. Um because 
I don't know, probably to a lot of these, like, uh, at that point, older Gen X, younger boomer writers, uh, you know, they just think it's funny and obnoxious for <laughs> people to give well, a shit about things. And to, to, to be fair, some of those people were very funny and obnoxious. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what gives it its staying power, I think, is kind of a trope, is that, like, a lot of these people are kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, just a lot. Just to, to be a lot of a person. Yeah. Anger. Sexual lust. The sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. What's up, everybody? You're listening to Agab. All gamers are bastards. The only uh, video game podcast that talks about the video games of film mm. um, and the video game of uh, the KPD. And, <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call this part one in a two part series that I'm going to call Todd's Inferno. <laughs> Um, we're going to get to it eventually. We're going to talk about Fallout 4. Uh, now we, we did do an episode a little while ago, quite a while ago now, I think on Fallout 3 and we weren't terribly, um, kind to it because it, it sucks shit in a lot of ways, despite I think at the time being kind of like an interesting, at least for me, quite a new thing. Uh, it was definitely one of my big introductions into that style of, of Western RPG. But before we get into Fallout 4 and its many nightmares, at E3 this year, uh, Bethesda announced um, Starfield. Or, well, they announced it before, but they actually showed us some Starfield. And uh, I'd love to hear what you thought about what we've been presented with here, Kyle, because it really... I'm really starting to see some severe limitations to to what this studio can do, I think. Um, this is, to me, this is transparently Fallout in space. Um, like, all the animations are the same. It feels like a lot of how they're going to be structuring, uh, like, the, the factions and, and the gameplay loop is going to be the same. There's going to be all these, like, procedurally generated planets where I have a feeling... I'm just going to be looking for the, you know, uh, uh, more futuristic equivalent of like duct tape and desk fans to make stuff. Uh, what, what did you think about it? Um, I thought it reminded me of a, a game that we have also covered on the show in our first episode called The Outer Worlds, um, which was Fallout in Space. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't really know exactly what to think. And I think that's the point of the way that, like, the I, I don't know what this game is going to be like. It feels a little scummy in its yeah. presentation, which is, I know, that's the trademark Howard style, the trademark leather jacket style. It feels like a, 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 it feels like a leather jacket of a video game. But not in like a cool way, in like a <laughs> in like a should you be doing that kind of should you should you be wearing that? The game should you be leather... at this party? Everyone's kind of young. Yeah the the game you know? 
the game is wearing a leather jacket um, <laughs> and it probably shouldn't be um i love that i really love that <laughs> but yeah it like yeah it looks like the the lock like, I, I mean you know and at the end of the day i don't really care if you're not going to reinvent your lock picking mechanic that's fine or whatever but um considering fallout 76 i think <laughs> like there, there's this there's just been a steady an unexpected steady decline in the in the way that bethesda presents this world that i don't think is going to improve just because it has just because it looks pretty it looks pretty clean it, it looks it looks very good but the i don't know i think this i think the seams show a little bit when it, it the combat looks terrible that looked really bad oh yeah oh yeah it's um i mean i think we're starting to see why we haven't had perhaps an elder scrolls game in over a decade so many games have come out um since skyrim that do what they were doing so so much better i think or at least parts of what they were doing and i think that gets worse with every year and then when you look at uh starfield and you see that it's really clearly got so much of the same dna as the game that they've been making for like 15 years it's like i mean i don't want to make predictions about how the hogs will react i know that uh you know people want to slurp up that sweet sweet video game juice and i mean i'll i'm probably going to play it too mm-hmm. but in a world where breath of the wild exists where elden ring exists i I have a feeling that maybe it won't uh, come up so much in Starfield because it's it's not as much of a direct comparison, but I have a feeling that like the next Elder Scrolls will maybe meet a hostility that they aren't anticipating or that they are anticipating and have no way to, to circumvent because um, this game was really the one that a while ago Todd was bigging up as being like, nah, we've we've totally got like a new engine now. That was a lie. They just sort of uh declared the creation engine i think uh that they've been uh you know using since i, I want to say daggerfall i uh, don't quote me on that though um you know they they every now and then they just declare it a new version now and say we have a new engine but it's always you know the same thing but with some patches on it uh and it it just feels so much like a game from 10 years ago just from looking at, at moving around and, and, and the combat and stuff. And I think that was a big part of why 76 was so badly received. Uh, I mean, we'll get into in the next episode, but uh, definitely there's always that dated feeling. And even in Fallout 4, that's present, but I think because it was longer ago, less egregious, but with every passing year, it becomes more noticeably not what people I think expect these days from like a big studio doing, doing this type of game, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know how they're going to leverage all of these ideas into a story that's worth paying attention to. I don't see like, I mean, Skyrim was already so just like bland. It was, it was like the blandest video game. It had very like, it was. It felt like a kind of like. I guess that's why you have it over and over and over again because it's boiled chicken, 
you know, <laughs> uh, like it's it's not, you know, and then and then eventually you're just one you're one shotting dragons, and you're like, what am I doing? Um, like it, and I don't, I just don't see. Uh, May I? Uh, I'll play it. I don't know what they're gonna do with the story. I just don't have any expectations. To its datedness, it's worth saying that Dark Souls, the first one, came out before, like like a month or two before Skyrim. And it's crazy. Last, it's crazy to think about. <laughs> last year, I went back and I replayed both of them, and obviously, Dark Souls One feels a little clunky and dated. But when you compare it to Skyrim in terms of how well it's aged, it's insane. Like I would, I would go play Dark Souls One right now, no problem. But Skyrim, it's like I'm good. I'm good on that, <laughs> frankly. Um. There, because like I was saying before, you know, there's so many there's open world RPG fantasy games that do a lot of the same stuff way better because Skyrim was so like huge and influential, you know, to its credit. A lot of people were like, OK, ha- let's do Skyrim. But and then the but uh, is, the you know, where they identify uh, or make themselves unique as a game. And so many games can be described as that, I think. Um Including to a degree, Breath of the Wild. I mean, it, that probably wouldn't exist if Skyrim hadn't been what it was. Um, and it's such the better game; it's incredible. Um, and that's why I think new Bethesda games are starting to really show their seams because so many games that have been influenced by them have have moved so far beyond where they seem to be able to go. True. And in terms of like how they're going to write it and stuff like that. Um, it was a bit of a red flag to me in the trailer footage, whatever, where they entered a conversation with somebody and it entered a, um, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. It's like a, a shoulder up sort of shot of the person they're talking to exactly mm. like in the outer worlds, which I thought was interesting. Cause that's a little different than how they normally do it. Um, and the outer worlds was written like dog shit. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, as you know, anyone who, who has listened to our episode on that will be well aware of. We don't have many kind things to say about it, and uh, I I don't know. It, it's just a shot, uh, or it's just like an angle when you're talking to an NPC. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but the idea of them taking influence from uh, Obsidian, one of their kind of shittier works, to me would be very very funny, considering all the good stuff that um. They almost stubbornly refuse to be influenced by, like, New Vegas. Uh, And I think that is maybe one of the most frustrating things about Fallout 4, is that New Vegas is right there. We have such a good case study in what works, and Bethesda just said, no. No to that. We're going to do, like, worse Mass Effect kind of vibe, where... You have uh, really two options in any conversation. You've got cool, heroic guy and dickhead. uh, But both of them really lead you down the same path. And the factions don't really matter that much. Um, I I mean, to be fair, I'd say they probably matter more in Mass Effect uh, some of the time than in in fucking Fallout 4. Um, And that would get worse in 76, uh, where they're just... (laughs) aren't even really people i believe they've added them now but who's going back to play fallout 76 now no don't don't embarrass yourself absolutely not um 
And then in Starfield, they're talking about, oh, there's going to be these factions and there's going to be like politics and stuff. And it's like, uh, no, I've I've seen you try to do this. You refused to to learn the the really valuable lessons set out by New Vegas uh, in uh, when when, you know, your last few games came out. Uh, I don't think you're going to suddenly learn it today, you know? Right. I mean, especially when. I mean. Todd Howard just said Starfield was going to be Skyrim in space. He, he, those are those are his words. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> Skyrim uh, in space in a leather jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Skyrim in a leather jacket in space. Um, yeah, I just I no, I don't I don't have hope in them. So we will will let you know when it comes out in 2024 or whatever or whatever the the game is set was. 2310. 2310? <laughs> That's a little optimistic. That's <laughs> but all right. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, I I'm I'm sure we will do an episode on it at some point. Um th- this is all you know, if you are if for some reason we have like diehard Bethesda fans in our viewership who are, are foaming at the mouth at, at, at what we're doing right now. You are not going to enjoy these next couple episodes, but um, also maybe we'll, maybe they'll they'll majestically prove us wrong. Um, but I frankly, I will eat my fucking hat. Uh, I've you know, I, I've been down this road with Todd and the boys before, and uh, they <laughs> these guys haven't made a good fucking game since Morrowind. All right, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be real for a minute. That's right. Um, I think Obsidian single-handedly saved um, a lot of people's sort of faith in this kind of new interpretation of Fallout um, that, that's existed since 3. And uh, I, I I pray that that kind of goodwill does not exist anymore. Because, um, <laughs> God, you've got to draw a line somewhere or else you're just a little, you're just a little consumer hoggy, aren't you? And that's no good. Um, do you want to get into Fallout 4? Let's go to Boston, baby. All right. I'm going to edit in, I don't know, shipping up to Boston. No, that would be stupid. I'm a sailor, hey, and I lost my leg. Climbing up the top sails, I lost my leg. So Fallout 4, it commits, I would say, a few cardinal sins right off the bat. Uh, one I just alluded to, it really simplifies the dialogue in an RPG that has historically been very based on conversations and a lot of how you characterize your character is done through conversations. And it, it puts you in, in this position where it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter what you say. A lot of the time. And I think that really sets the tone for how this game is going to proceed. And uh, that also couples in with giving you... um, They give the player character a very set background. If you pick the male player character, you're like an ex-soldier who... um, it, it makes sense that you would just know how to use power armor for that reason. And uh, I don't know if this was ever confirmed or if it was just a prolific rumor, but uh, there was a lot of people at the time saying that the female player character was initially not going to be added. Um, and she's, she's like a lawyer. I don't know. I do remember that. 
Nora, Nate and Nora's infinite playlist. Yeah, yeah, I think I think a lot of the evidence for it was that there's a lot of voice lines where they refer to you with male pronouns when you're playing <laughs> her. Um, but to be fair, <laughs> that's just the kind of shit that would happen in a Bethesda game either way. <laughs> yeah, it could just um, be bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure. But it, I think it does get some credibility when you look at how you know, you always used to need training to wear power armor, but this time you can just do it. Well, yeah, the male character, uh, you know, has presumably used it before. Um, why his lawyer wife can use it, we do not know. <laughs> but but I think that they... And, and they've been kind of bad for this before. Obviously, in Fallout 3, you live through your whole childhood. Um, and they're, they're really obsessed with you being kind of a set person in this game uh in in contrast to new vegas where all you really know about yourself is the job that you had as a cur uh, career and um otherwise you just you make your character you walk out into the world and you start you start deciding who you're gonna be in this world uh in in the way that you would want from a big kind of open-ended rpg like that um Whereas Bethesda's image, I think, of what this game should be was always a lot more like, no, this is you. Uh, it's always got something to do with your fucking dad, even though this time <laughs> your dad is your son, which we're going to have to talk about that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. I don't, I don't know what Todd Howard is trying to work out via these games. Um, but it, it, I feel like the the streamlining and the kind of reining in of these RPG aspects of these games in favor of like a, a more of kind of like a, a a sandbox shootery type approach really. I mean, first of all, a bit of foreshadowing for Fallout seventy six, but also I think it. I don't know. It 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 indicates that they're trying to take this whole thing in a direction that, to me, seems so antithetical to what made the series compelling in the first place uh what do you think yeah i think it i so my experience with fallout 4 began with trying to with, with sort of my my long-standing interest in the evolution of the the particular factions depicted in each game and not necessarily in the story of the game although that's interesting but like the universe is interesting and fine but the uh yeah even more so the way that they like the way that the player interacts with them um and as always i have to go straight to the the most well unless you're counting not counting new vegas um the most fascist <laughs> faction um available which is the brotherhood of steel um and I thought there's it, it, the way that the Brotherhood of Steel are depicted in Fallout Four, um, which are you know at best at best two D kind of like they 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 don't do justice to the sort of weird survivalist origins of this group. And how yeah. they like, they don't, they embody a very sort of a, a, a form of the politic that you're most familiar with. Um, they barely skim the surface of, I think, you know, 
the history of the Brotherhood and Roger Maxon and all that kind of a thing. So there's like, and that's as a as like a, as a reactionary sect, rather than the chief reactionary sect of New Vegas, um, you know everyone's favorite cannibals, Caesar's Legion. Um, in a contemporary Fallout game, when someone is militarized, it rather than engaging with that sort of sort of that the radicalizing process that they've brought into the culture of the game, mm-hmm. they flatten out, you know, and turn everyone into army man instead of doing what could be something truly fucked up. <laughs> You know, it's just like, it's very uninteresting. And in comparison to, I've played all the Fallout games now, and in comparison to the sort of interactive depth of early titles and, you know, certainly New Vegas as well, um, four just, it doesn't even come close to it. I feel like four almost shows us why they did what they did with the Brotherhood in three. Yeah. Um, it's like they didn't have confidence in their writing chops to explore these ideas. Mm-hmm. So they were just like in three, they're just, you know, going to be like generically good knights. Basically they're oblivion knights. And then in this game, I don't know. It feels like there was an attempt because obviously they were, you know, widely criticized for just kind of having the brotherhood not be what's interesting about the brotherhood. And right. I don't know. Was this, was this them attempting to do something there? Cause boy (laughs) yeah not not great (laughs) i mean for me the 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 factions are really where this game falls short because i feel like Mm -hmm. there's a good idea and that's what i think the reason i can talk about my problems with this game at greater length than a lot of other games i didn't really care for as much is um because i feel like there's this potential in this idea um, I love the idea of the synths of having like an underground railroad sort of yeah. thing for the synths of doing the good, the good guys. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. Like, like that's a cool story. That's, that's, uh, I would say a pretty unique story, um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, I've played fallout one and two, I've played all the Bethesda ones, um, this would definitely be yeah this is a new interesting idea i like it a lot transhumanism Uh, and stuff like that yeah i agree yeah and i think as a consequence the dlc um is it far harbor the one Mm -hmm. with the island with like the the synth guy yeah 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 i think the far harbor dlc is actually pretty good um i think it's better than the story of fallout 4 oh yeah oh Uh, yeah um if it was like a self-contained game i'd be like yeah this this is all right. This is this is a decent little Fallout game. You know, it's not like it's, it's not New Vegas. I, I know it's. I don't know any of the popular takes on this game, but I but I assume that that would be one of them. That Far Harbor is great. Yeah, I've definitely I definitely haven't heard a lot of people be like, "This is the bad part." Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's um. I think that it does a much better job of weaving its factions into the you know, the story of Far Harbor, which right. is exactly what Fallout 4 does an awful job of. Um, because one of the big mechanics in this game is the settlement building system, yeah. which 
has seemingly almost no bearing at all on the main storyline, which was really mm. frustrating to me because the whole premise is that you're fighting over who's kind of running the um, the Boston Commonwealth, right? Mm. And it it seems like the obvious thing to do is to tie that into this settlement system where you're literally building society in in the wasteland, but. Bethesda has had a problem, at least since Skyrim, but probably, probably Oblivion too. Thinking about it, where their size has kind of gotten away from them, and they are divided into work groups who are each responsible for certain chunks of the game. And I think a big part of what you see in the holes in a game like Fallout Four is that those groups do not interact enough. So somebody designed the settlement system and they just weren't, I, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but it seems like they were scarcely in the same room as the people who designed like the main storyline and like the factions, mm. because these things are, are two separate games. They, they cross paths a couple of times in, in ways that are kind of inconsequential. But um, these things that should be fundamentally tied together are just two separate mechanics. You can go like build a cool settlement for the Minutemen who are just kind of a neutral faction tacked on for the purpose of the settlements who just have no real stake mm -hmm. in the main conflict in the, the thing with the Institute and the synth question, I guess, that this game is, is, is dealing with. It's, it's irrelevant. It's a little side uh, fucking, you know, uh, playground to you go on the monkey bars and you make a little house. And it's such a it's such an egregiously wasted opportunity that it's crazy. Um, they tried to correct it with the Nuka World DLC where you can now have like raider um, settlements. So you have a choice between generic good guys and generic bad guys. But that, again, mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the main story conflict like that. You should be running uh fucking railroad operations out of them, or you should be, you know, doing stuff for the Institute with them. It should be tied to what the game is, but because of their modular way of, of making games, um, it just doesn't, they don't connect. It's just things that sit next to each other uh, in, in this really frustrating way. These games don't, as we've talked about at length before, and other people on the internet have talked about plenty, that these games don't have a, an imagination for the future or for, you know, storytelling at all that's going to push the boundaries beyond just, like, experiencing things that happen rather than having stakes. Um, yeah. A, a lot of the time, games try and fail, at the very least, but... Four Fallout Four doesn't even really seem to try all that much. Um, it, it's an after. It, it is the fact that it's present in DLC shows that I think either there are more significant elements that got left on the cutting room floor, either something got fucked up in the initial rollout, or it was always an afterthought. And the things that game designers are so great at doing, which is sort of pushing the boundaries of our imaginations in ways that are expanding but relatable 
mm-hmm. um, doing interesting storytelling and creating inter- interesting ways of interacting with stories. Instead, it gets reduced to this sort of like, well, it's what it, it becomes what Fallout 76 eventually would be, which is this transactional, like, it's nothing, it's no different than the like, I find survival games. I, I've, I I got interested in survival games when that started to be sort of like a a genre that got popular. Stuff like Rust, um, which I actually have not played Rust, but I've played stuff like it. Right. Um, and you know, a, a, a game that requires you know, you know, you have to keep an eye on certain you know stuff that's been in Fallout. But you have to keep an eye if you if you choose to play it in that way. You have to keep an eye on thirst and sleep provide for your basic needs and defend yourself against you know inevitable you know environmental hardship or hostile enemies Mm -hmm. or that that sort of a thing and i find them all to be very like depressing because they have no like they're sort of vehicles for like dystopian pasts with no like discursive critique not even critique that's not even what i mean like 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 a dystopia is read as a dystopia because within like or post-apocalypticism it's it's like it's like no like it like bursting within you know between the cracks of a destroyed civilization are you know flowers you know weeds become flowers they emerge in difficult times and it's all this you know sort of like persistence of life toward death metaphor everything's complicated and hard to deal with and you know we we don't know exactly why we're supposed to be here but you know there's beauty all around us yeah none of that's in (laughs) none of that's in none of that none of that's into the whole of the follow games that we're talking about over these couple of episodes but they're particularly not in the like the type of game that's come out around throughout the years that these titles have been made as well and that like mm. i'm not saying like it's just, like I feel, I feel like the rather than the city building element city building by the way is some is like maybe my favorite genre of video game i now nah, i play a lot of rpgs but like i've been playing city building games since i've been playing sim city on a like pc in my parents living room yeah like that's been i love I, I love city building um and to to have to to be presented with an opportunity to place that in conversation with the fundamental questions that are being posed by this alternative history, you know, what would happen after a nuclear disaster and war that, you know, creates certain new irreversible changes to the social world, something very relatable, which just got out of COVID, which permanently changed the way that we live life all around the world all at once. Yeah. And we're just like starting to wrap our heads around it. Now, instead of doing that, no, you, yeah, you, you build or you make a little fort and you like, I can put a flag on that wall and put that little guy over there and it can look neat or whatever, but it's like, what, <laughs> what, do, what does any of this matter? <laughs> like, it, it just doesn't. And I think that feeling of not mattering comes a lot from the factions being, they feel very disconnected from history in the opposite uh i i would say of, of how let's say new vegas feels um 
you know, in New Vegas, the NCR is, you know, they're deriving their ideas from like the American like military and police systems. Caesar's mm-hmm. Legion is deriving it from a, you know, a, a ludicrous sort of juvenile understanding of uh, Rome, of uh, ideas from sort of, uh, you know, classical intellectuals. Um, House is quite literally, I believe, like a pre-war libertarian. Yeah. Uh, even like the gangs, they have their roots in history. The powder gangers are from like a, a prison labor camp. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure where they had the mining, so they were able to access dynamite. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fucking cons, you know, they wear like fucking biker jackets and shit like there's every everyone has you know some more uh intense than others but every everyone has some connection to the pre-war world and that defines how they go forward in the post-war world um and then in fallout 4 it's like you know the institute they're scientists underground and you can you can read them as like uh, maybe a, a critique of, of Silicon Valley or something, but they are not intentionally like in universe deriving ideas from you know fucking Elon Musk or something. You know that universe mm. is Elon Musk, and that's right. leading them to you know unhelpful conclusions or whatever. They are really I don't know. They feel like they're they're totally separate from the pre-war world in a way uh and and every faction kind of does they're just these these things that just appeared in the wasteland and and they're so divorced from their own history in a way that nothing it feels like nothing matters it feels like no ideas are being explored whereas in new vegas it's like no everything all of these factions are fucking dudes who exist in the real world (laughs) in in a, a certain way um and they they make you think about actual political ideas and then they make you think about what if those real dudes in the real world were in fact put in this setting how would they imagine a solution to these you know very extreme post-apocalyptic problems and it's such an interesting game because of that and you just don't get any of that in four none of these no one feels like a real person with real motivations in this game except Mm -hmm maybe the railroad, but they're just responding to a situation. Uh, you know, it's not like they're, they're probably the one faction that doesn't have like an overarching, uh, image of what the wasteland should look like. They're acting, uh, responsively, right. Reactively to, um, uh, what the Institute is doing. Uh, and, but everyone else, the Institute, the brotherhood, the Minutemen, they, their, their ideas aren't interesting. They don't feel like they're fucking rooted in anything, really. Again, you can put readings onto them, but they they just feel like they've come out of thin air. You know what I mean? Yeah, you get you get really close to something much more interesting, um, but still the like the, the railroad is a great example of that. It's used to like the railroad is like now. Let's see. Mm, I wonder what they mean by railroad, you know, <laughs> yeah. and how they help the, 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 there's a discrim a group discriminated against that was created that a, a group that was created 
in North America, mm-hmm. um, you know, because slaves were slaves weren't slaves until they were you know brought over and enslaved. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's just kidnapping until so until until you bring them somewhere and you you tell someone to get to work. Yeah, and then. You know, yeah. So they're like, it's abol- it's abolitionism, but like that's what I almost wish this game would be. Okay, my alternative Fallout Four is um, Yankee fucking Doodle, like up <laughs> and down. Like you go all in on U.S. history. You you make all you you make Boston this sort of like really really unique ecosystems of competing groups. That like moves far outside of three. Like you learn all of this shit that's happened specifically in Boston, and then you do a lot of one for ones. You have the Minutemen become the like the Minutemen become the def- the defense the the defensive faction of the old world, the mm-hmm. old patriotism, um, right wing that sort of a thing. The Brotherhood of Steel go full, you know contemporary post-fascist military kind of military industrial state but Mm -hmm. still heavily reactionary that's hearkening back back to this imagined past the railroad are the sort of syndicalist reactive like left-wing group that use history like the history of abolitionism and the railroad to accomplish certain specific goals actually very similar to how they are in the group that's why i don't think they're a a poorly written group just because it's like on the nose doesn't and des- doesn't in no way makes it bad. That's why Pulp Fiction can be so interesting and useful. Um, is that it's so it does so many sort of like one for one representations, but it packages them in this like either self aware way or this like I don't know. It has more. It's more ideologically ambitious. And with a video game, you have to do different. You know. Well, you have elements of exploration and choice that you have to take into account. To be honest, I wish the railroad was more on the nose. I wish it was yeah, kind of right? in, in line with what you're saying. I wish it was more steeped in the actual politics that it's influencing. Exactly. I want fucking um, ah shit. What's her name? Is it Ramona? Um, I, I wish the 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 main railroad lady at least she'd like you know talk to you about like abolitionist ideas. Like, yeah. yeah, they should be giving themselves nicknames after people from American history. They should be like, there should like, like, pe- okay. Now I know this is getting a little into, you know, the incredibly dicey third Bioshock game, but like, you <laughs> can, the the idea of turning the founding fathers into these demigogic kind of like figures is not crazy because again that's just it's just fascism so you just yeah. do you have someone do fascism you just get the you make the brotherhood of steel like worship george washington or whatever or like you factionalize everyone based off of u.s presidents and you have these weird like jacksonian like right-wing group like the like rough ride like they call themselves the rough riders yep that's that's tr but like 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 you know american history is so weird and goofy. Everyone is so cringe. Like <laughs> everyone is so cringe that you just lean into that and make it super like now see now that's a video game. See, that's it would be so easy game. to do that too, because um Bethesda, yep. their biggest contribution to the series is cranking up the Americana to a thousand. Yeah. You know, and really, really just like putting that at the forefront. But they do it in a way that feels reactionary like yeah there's no because there's no good critique it's just like oh yeah yeah, you like this 
Not like the early games. Remember when, you know, women dress like this and, you know, houses and TVs look like this and like it's yeah. milkshake diner. Ah, like it's 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 the super juvenile good old days kind of thinking about that era. Um, and I think that that surface level aesthetic could be amazing if when you actually dig into the factions, they had like this really interesting you know, interesting things to say about American history. Be like, well, yeah, now this, you know, all the all the the music and stuff that that you kind of associate with with this time, you know, all this positive set dressing. Well, I mean, it underlies the struggle for fucking, you know, against slavery uh, and against you know, like racial discrimination and stuff. Like they they bit off so much more than they were prepared to chew by doing a fucking like synth slavery underground railroad thing, and they. They just, this game tries so hard to be apolitical while doing that, that it's <laughs> mind-blowing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, probably, I, I mean, I wish there was just more story and more, even more dialogue, because it's funny, it's almost funny, yeah. the lengths that they go to, to just like, again, flatten out and smooth out all of the surfaces that they create when like, obviously they were in some, like they were, they were, in, if they're inspired from within the fallout universe, they're inspired by sort of these, like represented by these, like, you know, political ideologies. Um, but like in trying to sort of like reduce them, they become completely inco. They like almost paradoxically, they become completely incoherent when you try and reduce them to these, like, you know, it's a base representation. Yeah. Like the railroad, the railroad is just, has all those names. And then they have, they have some sort of like goals and political beliefs and like ethic ethics and morals that were inclined toward this kind of like abolitionism story, but that's it. Don't and stop and stop. No more. Like, <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> no I, one I, has any personality. No <laughs> one can have any life outside of where they're standing at that moment. It's just so boring. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm putting this on it, but um, it feels like there may have been an earlier version where it wasn't this bad. And, you know, the, the edges got smoothed out throughout the production yeah. process because there's there's these little signs of, of, of different factions in the railroad that never really come to anything and, and yeah. they never seem to amount to more than, like, you know, slight personal eccentricities for some characters. But I feel like I feel like there's a version of it where they were maybe thinking about the different abolitionist camps, you know, yeah. when, you know, maybe Spec scripting and stuff. Yeah. Maybe at one point they, when they were writing the story, like this seems like, yeah, maybe I'd either got half finished or like taken out or yeah, I think about that too. I think, yeah, I think if it ever existed, it probably got taken out because it was deemed too political. Like that's how these big studios tend to end up behaving. Like there, I don't know. I can really see a version of this game where you're doing side quests for different people, and one of them talks about, you know, trying to, you know, maybe uh, open up diplomatic lines with the institute. Another, if you do his side quests, he maybe starts yeah. talking about this book I found about a guy named John Brown, and like, yeah. just these different ways that just this one faction could have approached what is literally the problem of slavery, you know, um, and. And then you get to the Institute and you kind of, it, it kind of has the same feeling. Like there's supposed to be a schism in the Institute a bit, 
but there isn't really. Mm. The Institute really, their quest line really is not that interested yeah. in what's going on with the synths, even though that's the point of the whole fucking game. They're, they're really v- vague and they don't really define what they're up to. It's just this idea that we're doing science to make the world better. Look at all, look how fast we're walking in coats. We like walk really fast in coats. We've, like I've got a clipboard and I look busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jackets. What is with Todd Howard and jackets? Um, I don't know. I think that he probably had like a duster in his youth. I'm thinking he was that mm. kind of guy. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to put that down at 100% certainty. <laughs> he is Gen X, I think. That would make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the Institute is, is just as afraid of, of doing politics. Um, and it makes them a really weird, unrelatable faction in a way that even Caesar's Legion, I feel like, is relatable in a way. Like they have, yeah, because they wrote one good character. Yeah, they, they don't have one. any other ones, but they made one. They, made they one. actually had a good character and because they couldn't got, finish it. You've got something to think about now. But I mean, shit. Yeah. Um, other characters who aren't necessarily involved in the Legion will talk about them, and some of them will speak yeah. about them uh, positively. Like some will be like, "Yeah, they keep the raiders out. I can do my fucking you know trade route, and I'm not getting yeah. you know beheaded. So cool." Like the 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 little the little ways kind of like um, uh, I know some people from uh, some Italians who talk about in rural Italy like uh, old people will be like Mussolini built a well in my village kind of thing mm-hmm. like yeah the the little uh, uh, gestures or, or ways of helping that can make people sort of turn a blind eye to the other shit you're doing so you're constantly thinking about the Legion in these very real, I think, political terms, whereas the Institute is like, you know, a cartoon villain organization. And then you get down there expecting to to really get their side of the story and, and see where they're coming from. And you don't really. They're kind of pricks for no reason. They've got this vague, mm. like, we can't share all this cool stuff we're doing with the people on the surface because they're barbarians and they don't really go beyond that so it's like all right well you're just a bunch of nerds hanging out making slaves like fuck you who cares about you then you know it's weird all 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 i can say about it at this point is you you hit the nail on the head is that when you have it it's such a it's such a cliche at this point but people like hearing we we all like hearing confirmations of our own beliefs when you have new vegas and you put it next to like even New Vegas as a game that's unfinished, and uh, like we're talking about like the 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 biggest like the most brutal thing that Fallout has ever done to me is not Fallout seventy six. It is not finishing Caesar's Legion as oh, yeah. like uh, is not being it not having that be complete is so brutal because it was like what what is there is so great and is this very sort of like long. Almost, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the, what's the playing chess with death movie? Bergman, Bergman-esque, mm. like, repartee. I guess, like, that's just, it's just dialogic. But, like, the dialogic writing in your conversations with, what's his face, El fucking Duce, or whatever his fucking name is, um, <laughs> Caesar, like, he's, Kaiser. <laughs> yeah, Kai, Kaiser, um, thank you. To drop in Kaiser a bunch of different times. Uh, <laughs> the dialogue that you have is, if you're familiar, if you've played the first two Fallout games, every once in a while you'll have this like 
you'll just find yourself having stumbled into a very long conversation. And there's a lot of different ways to respond to things. And it's like, it's, 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 it, 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 and you're talking to someone who feels very real. Um, it feels like a, like a real psycho. So it's like, oh, I can imagine this kind of psycho existing in this kind of world. Yeah. And I can imagine him pulling from history in this way. I can imagine him poorly referencing Hegel, incorrectly referencing Hegel. Yeah. Um, doing it, doing, he, he did a, he did a thesis antithesis synthesis, which is not very Hegelian. Um, <laughs> people, that's pretentious. It's pretentious. I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it, no, you, you can't work at, you have to talk about it in terms of sublation rather in terms of synth- synthesis. But at the same time, I understand why people use it. Um, I want more Caesar, right, Caesar's Legion. I just want, I, I need, I need a full fascist faction that pulls directly <laughs> from antiquity. Like that's more fat. That's more fascist than the fascists. It's so like, this is interesting. It's so good. Like, yeah. and honestly, it takes a big problem that big studios have is they don't fucking trust their audience. Um, right. And there's an anxiety in it. Um, that I, I I think I spoke about on the tunic episode. There's this anxiety in a lot of games of uh of the player not getting everything and not doing everything and and maybe some you know some things maybe go over some people's heads the first time. There's this fear of that, so they they really they don't want to challenge you in any way. And New Vegas to have a character, an authoritative sort of character in a faction, misquote. A philosopher who most players probably haven't read, or maybe not misquote, but misapply. Um, I, to me, that's such a ballsy and interesting move. Um, yeah, and and like Fallout Four would never, and and if they did, they <laughs> they would do it, they would do it in such a way that it was obvious. Like they would be uh, the the speaker would be so clearly like deranged that you would know it would signal to you that what they're saying isn't legitimate. But Caesar is speaking like he's teaching you something, you know, like he's the one who knows what's going on in in New Vegas, and it makes it such a great scene because if you know a little bit about what he's talking about, you you really begin to understand what's happening with him. And if you don't, you might fucking buy what he's saying. That is awesome that's what disco elysium did in an entire video game <laughs> yeah that's why disco elysium this bring this brings us to the point of every episode of this show this is why disco elysium is a perfect video game uh <laughs> because it does that it it, it does when like it, it itself has a position mm-hmm. that you know pisses off the fucking stupid rhydoids yeah. like like fashoid dumbasses we're like, well, I can't be unapologetically racist, you know, without, <laughs> you know, losing major IQ points, which like, yeah, you fucking idiot. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the idea. Fuck you. That's <laughs> the idea. Go fuck, go fuck yourself. But you can also be a very reasonable guy with very not so effective, persuasive, or, you know, correct political opinions. You can be, you can have all the correct political opinions in the world and be completely feckless. Yeah. It's like this is what this is what it's like being a person, especially nowadays. This is what politics is mm-hmm. in our contemporary moment. And like, yeah, Fallout Four doesn't understand any of that. And <laughs> I think it goes to show that 
attempting to be apolitical means that what you're writing will not ring true to people. Because I think games like New Vegas and Disco Elysium, I think that they are so deservedly beloved because I think they do they do speak to what it's like to fucking exist in the world. Um, This sterilized, depoliticized version of things that you get in Fallout 4, you can't relate that to anything. This isn't anything. This is a little theme park ride. And it it doesn't, you know, uh, resonate as something real to to you in the way those other games do. Um, And I think it's in, it's indicative of, the direction Bethesda is trying to take this series where it is just like a theme park ride where Liberty prime runs yep. around going death to communism. And it's just like, well, what a funny, crazy guy. This isn't saying anything about like the cold war or the United States or anything. It's just funny. Robot says the line and then explosion now. And yeah. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that That's crazy? The- isn't that so crazy? Listen, there's like a, an old like swing tune going on or whatever. Um, I do. Lo- I will always defend the music of Fallout, which they didn't. They, you know, you know. I. Uh, oh, I. I love honestly, it. it could what could probably get me to play as bad as they always get. Um, God, this the like. It's well, you know, like, and is that not like, oh God, we could talk talk forever about what Fallout gets wrong <laughs> about everything, but then like, it does it does not it does nothing useful with the 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 politics of nostalgia that runs rampant in its universe and the universe that inspired these games. Like nostalgia is this; it almost has currency, right? In yeah. that, like. It has this very, you know, you you can, you have old radios, they function in this sort of like, it's it's retrofuturism, right? Retrofuturism has this like, looking for, it it explores, I think, the tension of history. Mm -hmm. All history is, you know, in some ways a history of the present. And so we're trying to sort of like, we're trying to move like across like two competing horizons, yeah, and so we try and move move in a different way, rather than in this linear kind of way. We can pull and create an interplay between past and future. Um, yeah, Fallout, the more contemporary Fallout games don't really do this. It's a it's a skin, right? It might as well. This could be this is why these could be like Star Wars games if you <laughs> took out like made some like put in some some gagus over here and some 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 Wookies over there or whatever. And then, you know, it's the basic elements of an RPG. Um, Replace all super like, mages with Gungans. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, exactly. It has, it has this, like, you know, the post-apocalypticism plays... No, when you take the politics... This, this is the point. It's this sort of... Ja- We're doing kind of a Jamesonian reading of all of this, in a way. Like, when, it, when you don't historicize, and honestly, when you just... To put it simply, way too simply, but... Uh, when you remove the p- political dynamic... Um, from these texts, they become like your reading. You you lose your reading gets lost in its sort of like cultural slurry. This very like not very interesting, but very easy to consume passively almost like representation of what used to be a genre like a like a form of genre fiction that attempted to do this to subvert 
the state, the sort of like the the necessary present presentism, the stasis of history in our immediate conceptualization of that particular historical object. Mm-hmm. It, it like rather than history, history we try and render part of ob- history is only a rendered part object. Whenever we, however we want to look at it. Sorry for people who weren't expecting philosophy of history, but well, uh, it, it's it, we attempt to render it. In total, to do full representations of history, but we can't. While it's still also the prime sort of language of experience that people use, it's the language we use the language of memory and of experience to describe what it's like to be a person, and thus that's kind of it's the stuff of history, as I've said, <laughs> as I've called it before. Yeah. So the the metaphysics of history is not like we can't fully capture what history is because history is our own creation. It's a paradox in a way, but like it's both fully of human experience and outside our ability to render it like as one coherent object. Um, Instead, we have to, you have to, you have to be political and you have to embrace your position and embrace the structure and sort of attempted, attempt to engage with the world because it's the only way to like even begin to try to try and universalize some kind of experience. Yeah. And so, yeah, you have to you have to do things. You I have guess. to do things when you write. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're writing such a politically charged sci-fi series uh, as Fallout. Yeah. <laughs> like you it it, it yeah. is disturbing the way that the politics of nostalgia are just draped on as like a mask over this really kind of hollow game. Uh, and, and that's a feeling that we get a lot with Bethesda Fallout. Um, I think that New Vegas is kind of proof that if you discuss politics in a sophisticated enough way, even if there's clearly things that you're, you know, against. Mm-hmm. Reactionaries won't notice. They'll be into it. They'll buy your game. They'll be like, oh, I get to be a, a Roman. Oh, um, like every, everyone loves New Vegas, even dipshits. Um, <laughs> and I think a big part of it is that there is a language of quote unquote political that I think the m- sort of modern, especially video game demographic playing right wing are able to recognize. And it's very much like um, it's very much like liberal um, epic west wing rants as dialogue type writing mm-hmm. they that will set off the the sensors in their brain going oh this is politics um mm-hmm. but if you just have like interesting explorations of ideas like in new vegas without trying to like i don't know get preachy with it they won't notice they they mm. they can only recognize one type of thing they're they're you know the their political comprehension has been you know shaved down to a little nub by the ideology they're immersed in they will buy your game don't sweat it you know Mm. you just you've got to have that confidence that you can discuss something in a sophisticated enough way that it almost won't immediately jump out at you like i i could see a lot of people playing new vegas and not thinking about any of this um and just being like that was a good game that was interesting um but when you're scared of of saying anything you get fallout 4 and like i said at at the top of this what drives me crazy about it is i feel like the potential of the setting and the idea are so boundless 
I have sat uh, on on streams with people or just with fucking friends uh, offline, if you can imagine such a thing. Um, just talking about like incredible things this game could have done with you know ninety percent of the same ingredients if they were just willing to say something about something in a way that they just aren't. And I think that fundamental inability is what is going to somehow become worse in the next installment in the series. And I will say they've said there's going to be a Fallout 5 after the Elder Scrolls. That'll probably be in like 2050. Uh, mm -hmm. Dread. Dread for that. Um, because after 4, I would have said they couldn't have gotten worse about this kind of thing. But... Well, you're going to have to tune in next time for that one, mm -hmm. dear listener. Do you have any uh, final things to say about it, Kyle? No. <laughs> <laughs> we, co we, co we covered it. It's like, it's an experience to like, it's a stone. Okay, so here's the thing that, here's, here's the secret to new Fallout games. You can play them for sure. And actually, I recommend playing them only in a very specific way. You get them when they go on sale. And then you get high and then you just kind of walk around and listen to the music <laughs> and you play the not very engaging combat and just kind of start reading this. It, it's, it, they are, they are fun games to like do to just kind of do readings of. There's a reason why when we're like the dear listener, you've made it this far. You get to know that when we do fallout games, it's when we are like, we don't know what to talk about. You want to do another fallout game? Yeah. Cause we know we've both played them. It's hard you, when you got to play an entire video game or also, you know, or, or play half of a video game and watch someone play the other half of it. Or, you know, that sort of a thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's me a lot of the time, but I'm open about that. Uh, it, it, it can be difficult. So it's just like, well, you know, and that's because there's there's always a way to play Fallout games, and that's to get really stoned, and listen to the music, and you know think about it as a text. Um, but no, unless it's Fallout seventy six. In case you don't play it, just don't play that. <laughs> it's uh, garbage. I think that is a good way to um, enjoy Fallout games if you want to know peace in your life. Um, on the other hand, if you want to go fucking insane, what I would recommend is play New Vegas, then immediately play Fallout 4, and then read Frederick Jameson. Mm. That is my mm. uh, recommendation uh, if you Actually, want the bad a... ending of your psyche. <laughs> <laughs> but the true, the truest one. The truest one. Um, read Jameson, yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, you're right, though. Like, it's easy to talk about these games. I feel like we've been pretty animated on this one and i bet we will be on the next one because there's so much to talk about because they are such mm -hmm. by doing such a shit job as well they make it an even more there's even more to explore in the text you know mm. um one day one day we should do a new vegas episode it's funny because i feel like we're always bringing it up in relation to bethesda fallout and eventually you could probably cut all those segments together and then just make a big New Vegas episode out of that. <laughs> True. Yeah. Anyway, that we're gonna we're gonna call that the conclusion of part one of Todd's Inferno. Um you can find me on Twitter at KN Skittles. You can find me on YouTube at KN Skittles. Uh watch my videos. Uh and uh, I, I stream on weekends on Twitch. I bet you can guess the name. 
where can they find you, Kyle? Um, first, before that, I would like to congratulate you on your most recent video, which had no wrong opinions, as usual, no wrong opinion, but particularly in this one, no wrong opinions <laughs> at all. And it was perfect. Um, and yeah, everyone in the comments can know that, uh, yeah, it, um, absolutely no incorrect opinions at all in that video. Thank you. Uh, that almost sounds sarcastic. So to be clear, there are no it's incorrect not, opinions. No. <laughs> no, no, it's not sarcastic at all. Absolutely, I know, hundred percent genuine. You. Good, good. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Labor Kyle, etc. And Zero Books. Go to Zero Books and watch that stuff. Watch it. Watch it. All right, <laughs> that's it for us. Uh, tune in next time for our discussion of fallout 76 where uh, i think we will deteriorate fully as as human beings goodbye mm-hmm. all gamers are bastards Ah, ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.